The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Yeah, whereas Amazon's list is literally, um, when they say you're a bestseller, you actually were the best-selling book during that time frame. Now, yes, they update every hour, so it's a much more volatile list. But when you make that list, that means that during that time frame, whether it's an hour a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever that might be, you were legitimately and actually the best-selling book. Um, And so that is an actually powerful thing because you have to understand over 80% of people that you'll ever meet will tell you that they intend to or are in the process of writing a book. Less than 5% of those people ever actually put a book out into the world, even with as easy as it is to do. It still is a very small percentage of that. And then less than about 2 to 3% of those people ever market their book in such a way that it ever makes a bestseller list. Okay. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of The The Accidental Entrepreneur. We are talking about writing your book today, um, which I am almost done doing. But I met Steve, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. If you are listening on your favorite podcast directory and you can leave us a five-star review, please do so. We can keep so we can keep bringing the special guests and the good content that we're bringing to you today. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button and the like button and whatever other buttons there are so we can keep bringing you the video. So let's get on with today's show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, my name is Steve Kidd. I am a third-generation minister and international best-selling author of 21 books and counting. But the real thing that I love being able to do is helping people write 
self-publish, market their books to bestseller, and beyond. It's so cool because the thousands of authors that I've worked with equates to millions upon millions of people that their books have written. I help them really be able to find that up level, that next, who they are and what they do in the world and shine a spotlight through them of who they are. All right. So, uh, Steve, I welcome you to the show. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of an introduction and then we will get on with um, your background and so forth. So Steve Kidd is a multi-talented powerhouse whose life's mission is to elevate the voices of exceptional individuals with heart-driven passions. He is a best-selling author, entrepreneurial force, business coach, and radio show host who has dedicated his life to helping aspiring writers and authors bring their message to the world and achieve bestseller status. Steve, thanks for coming on the show. I'm getting a problem with your mic. Can you hear yourself clearly? Okay, good. It should be fine on your end then. Um, why don't we go back a little bit and talk about your background, um, your, you know, how you got started in writing, all that kind of stuff. And then maybe in the second half of the show, we could get into, you know, why everybody should have a book or maybe they shouldn't have a book and how do they get started? And because a lot of people are not writers and they have writer's block and how they do that stuff, which is kind of the one of the services you provide. But maybe we can go backwards and start where you got started. Does that make sense? Okay. So tell me, tell me your story. So, um, you know, I mean, I've been in business a little bit all the way. I started something when I was five years old. Uh, I was a sales manager by the time I was 19. I have been a officially, you know, in other words, I started in 1988. So about the last 35 years, I've been a marketing company. We are a marketing company with a strong publishing division. did our first book in 2007. Uh, and really quickly after that, discovered just how powerful the phrase best-selling author is. Um, from my own personal, though, I mean, I've always been writing. I remember even as a kid, I would write stories and make up things. And I'm, I'm enough younger than my older brothers that a lot of my playtime was, was myself. And so there's always been an imagination. And then as a young adult, I was the lead singer in the rock band. And I've written probably about 100 songs. Um, and so writing has just always been a part of who I am. I love to write, uh, and I just, whatever next thing comes into my head, some of them come out into the world, you know, I've got 21 of them that are out oh, okay. there now, and there's probably another 30 that no one will ever see, because I was like, well, you know, that doesn't go somewhere. Uh, mostly I write about marketing books and stuff like that, but I also have a couple of fiction books and a couple of Christian books, and um, you know, like you said, whatever I feel like needs to be shared with the world, I hop on and, and I write the book and and get it out into the world just right. as quickly as very I good, can. Very good, very good. Okay. So uh, were you a journalism major in college or? Actually, no, I was a, um, I was a communications okay. major in college. Um, I, you know, yeah, I, I worked in, in radio and, uh, you know, was a musician and things like that during my time in college. So I suppose maybe in a little way you can say, yeah, but. I mean, I didn't have any thought of writing, right. back, you know, at least not books right. back then. Well, what was the first book you wrote? Was it a book, your own book, or did you write for someone else? 
the first book, actually, my then wife and my second youngest daughter were huge fans of the movie Twilight. And we happen to live in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Teenage vampire angst kind of series. Um, You know, and they uh, went on a mother daughter trip for my daughter's 18th birthday because we lived near where all the filming of the first movie was. And they went and visited all the filming sites and they blogged about it and had a really good time. Spent almost a week traveling. Uh, They weren't, they would come home some of those days, but over the course of a week, they were traveling back and forth. And, uh, and then I helped them turn that into a book and get it published. And it actually, at one point was the number one movie related travel guide on Amazon. And, uh, from there we were just kind of hooked on how powerful in marketing. So it was like a travel guide to the making of the movie, like where you could go and see where they filmed all this stuff. Yeah, you can actually go. It actually has uh, both all of the sites where the movie was filmed, all the different filming locations. But then the nature of that particular book, it's based in a real town. uh, But none of the filming was actually done in that real town because of lots of Hollywood related reasons. Um, But they also went up to that town and actually um, said, you know, put together from what that town's. Uh, Chamber of Commerce had done, this is where that location is, this is where that location is, because at that point in time, the that city was getting all kinds of uh, people coming to visit the quote-unquote real Forks, Washington, and, uh, you know, so they added that into the yeah. book as well. So the, the town was a backdrop, but they filmed it mostly on a set, they didn't film it in the town. Well, no, uh, all of the filming was done, but they were all done within about an hour of Portland, Oregon. Forks, Washington is about almost four hours out of Seattle. Um, Well, depending on which way you go, Olympia or Seattle. Um, And uh, the nature of actors, there is a certain level of accommodations they have to have in order to be, uh, in order to get any decent actor. Um, And there's just... Forks just doesn't have that. It's an extremely remote location. Um, and so that just didn't happen in that case. Got it. Got it. So, so when did you get into writing business books, like for entrepreneurs and helping them tell their stories? Did that just evolve or? My first book actually was totally an accident. Um, I sat down to write as all of us have at one point or another, an opt-in, you know, the, here's five things, tips or whatever. Uh, give me your email address. I'll give this for you. You know, it should be a couple of right. pages, right? Uh, by the time I was done, it was about 110 pages okay. long, <laughs> too long to be just a free opt-in. Um, and I actually went to one of my oldest mentors, Dr. Donald Joy, and said, hey, I think I wrote a book here. Can you kind of help me with it? Um, and he went through and did a really good um, overview critique, if you will, of what was in it, what was missing, um, and helped me really put it into book form. And then he actually wrote the forward for that book. And then later, because of the nature of how much content is in that book, actually re- released, it's called 10 Things You Must Have to Succeed in Life and Business. Oh. And I actually then released all 10 of those as their own standalone books. They're much more uh, easy to get through when you do them one Got at it. a time versus trying to go through all 10 at once (laughs) large book. And then you realize, Oh, well I can make a series out of it. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm jumping a little ahead here, but, um, I had mentioned to you that I'm working on a book with a co-author of mine, my friend Barry. And, um, it's called 10 ways to get sued by anyone and everyone. He's doing a 10 ways type of series in different topics. 
And this one happened to be law because I'm a lawyer, he's not a lawyer. And, you know, we're going, we're waiting on the uh, final manuscript. We've got the copyright, but it's funny that yours was 10 ways also um, in terms of what it comes out. But this is not about me. This is about you. So we're going to talk about that. So, so um, you made me think of something when you're going through that. Um, oh, yeah. So, so that book was really a guide to other people, right? To the things they should do to be successful. But you, you help people yes. write their stories. Like if somebody wants to tell their business story or write a business book, you'll do their ghostwriting and help them with it or co-author it. How does that normally work? Yeah. I mean, I shy away from what I do for people. I shy away from the phrase okay. ghostwriting. Um, there are some people that put it in that category, but the difference between what I do and what a ghostwriter does, um, a ghostwriter will interview you, get information from you, what have you. And then they write the book substantially in their own okay. voice. Uh, most ghostwriters, um, you can kind of see the thread of who that writer right. was in the stuff that they've done. Um, whereas what I actually do is I conduct interviews with people and we take and use their voice and make the book. The closer we can get to somebody saying, oh, yeah, I could totally hear Mitch saying that. I, I feel like maybe I have heard Mitch say that. And they feel like you're talking to them. The better of a win really a book is. Okay. So, so really you're helping them write the book. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing it via interview so that they don't ever have to worry about picking up right. a pen or... You know, Got it, right, because a lot of some people are not good at that and they can't write. And, you know, the writing is a process because you think about all these great things in your head. Getting it down on paper is difficult sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, I've always said um, you know, everybody should be an author. Almost nobody is a, is a writer. Yeah. I mean, I know some amazing writers, but very few people actually have that as yeah. a skill. So, um, from your mic. I hope it's not on the recording on your end. Like something's loose or something. I don't hear it on my mic. Yeah, is that any better? Is it gone now? Okay. All right. I want to make sure we have good, clean recording for you. Um, okay. So maybe we, so let's, let's talk more about that. You know, why someone should consider, I mean, there's obvious reasons why you consider writing a book. Maybe you have a good story to tell, right? You had good life experiences. But this is an entrepreneur's podcast and a business owner's podcast. We want to talk about, you know, why a business owner should or could use a book as a promotional piece or, or, you know, a business development piece. Because storytelling, you know, is obviously just had a guy on last week about, you know, storytelling is selling. And that's I forget what the name of this book was, but something like that. So, you know, maybe we can talk mm -hmm. about that and your opinion about it and why you're kind of out there doing this and why people should consider. Because everybody says to you, yeah, yeah, no, I was told that you write a book or somebody says there's a book in there, but they never do it. So maybe we could talk a little bit more about that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, first of all, best-selling author is the number one influencer credential bar none. Um, from a marketing standpoint, I can tell you from now – 15, 16 years of experience doing books, you will never maximize your marketing if you don't have along with that uh, best-selling author being a bestseller, that kind of thing. It's just, um, it, it is that powerful. Um, the best way to think of it, though, is just the same as a doctor graduating from medical school. 
you're not going to be allowed to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, any of those kind of things without the degree that you have to have. I'm sure it's probably true that way in your business as well. Um, You know, there's certain uh, tests that you have to take and pass and show a proficiency um, in the written testing world before you then really get to be able to learn how to do it. Um, and that's, you know, like you said, that's why I always use a doctor because you are doctor so-and-so when you graduate, but all that really means is you're proficient, uh, at a certain level in anatomy and physiology. Nobody's going to hand you a prescription pad and say, here, right, go diagnose and give some people some sure. medicines. You yeah. You know, and, and this, they gotta get going right? forward. Law is the same way. I'm a lawyer. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And best-selling author is absolutely that. It is the credential from a third party um, that then says, yes, this person has passed the test for that. That, um, if you will, is kind of like the starter pistol. It says, okay, you've built the foundation. Now you can build the right, house. Right, but best-selling author is maybe a um, powerful marketing term, but it's not – there's ways to get it. Like you could be a best-selling author on Amazon for a day, right? And then you can say, I'm a best-selling – I was a best-selling author. Well, I mean, in the true sense of the word, you know, I don't think my book is. I'm go, I'm not going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. So, well, and I always focus on yeah. Amazon. Um, I, I'm a. Uh, I always kind of feel like I'm shooting people's holy cows when I talk about the New York Times bestseller list because it really isn't that impactful of a list. It's actually an editorialized list that is based at its core off of wholesale purchases, meaning that. A book could be on the New York Times bestseller list and literally never have been read because by anybody or right. even purchased by anybody. And it was never sold in stores, that type of thing. Got Correct. It. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's like the Dow Jones Industrial Average. That's not a reflection of the market. It's just a small group of companies. Right? Yes. Yeah. Whereas Amazon's list is literally, um, when they say you're a bestseller, you actually were the best selling book during that time frame. Now, yes, they update every hour. So it's a much more volatile list. But when you make that list, that means that during that time frame, whether it's an hour a day, a week, a month, a year, whatever that might be, you were legitimately and actually the best selling book. Um, and so that is an actually powerful thing because you have to understand over 80% of people that you'll ever meet will tell you that they intend to or are in the process of writing a book. Less than 5% of those people ever actually put a book out into the world, even with as easy as it is to do, it still is a very small percentage of that. And then less than about two to 3% of those people ever market their book in such a way that it ever makes a bestseller list. In fact, the average book with all the, I think there was 2 million books that went out last year alone. Okay. Um, And with all of that, the average book sells about 40 copies ever in its entire lifetime. So it is a big deal that you became a bestseller, but yes, bestseller, as my 20th book says, bestseller is only the beginning. Right. That's a day one in marketing these days. That's where right. you should now, start. It doesn't surprise me out of the millions of podcasts. I think only 20 or 30% of them actually put out, you know, 10 or 20 episodes and very few of those even continue. We've been doing this for four years. There's not a lot of people because it's hard Look, my book wouldn't have been written if it wasn't for my friend Barry. I was working on it for two or three years. It would never have gotten written. It's just I got too many other things going on in my life. You get distracted. Mm -hmm. I don't think like you do, Steve. I'm not a writer. My daughter's a journalism major. She writes. She's very creative. You know, it it all comes out of her head. It goes on the paper. It's always been like that since she's 12. Some people have a mind like that, but most business owners don't, and they're distracted by – 
a lot of things. But, you know, it's just like one if, if writing a book and you have a good story to tell or teach people or promote your business, whatever the reason you're writing the book is, it should be on your list like any other marketing thing you're going to do. You know, I'm, I've been meaning to put up a website. We've been meaning to do this. If you want to get value out of it or you want to share your story out in the world, you got to be committed to it. But that's leaves guys like you who are saying, hey, listen, work with me and I will help you get this done. I don't really think that most business owners, and I know this is a shameless plug for you, but mo- most business owners should be doing this on their own. Like it's not even a good use of their time and they won't get a good result. I might get an okay result, but they, you know, if they manage to get a book out and then, then the next part is right. How do you get it on Amazon? How do you get a copyright? I mean, all these pieces that people don't, don't know. So I'm, I'm always telling people, if they're going to write a book, find a partner, find an author that can work with you. He's not going to write it for you, but you know, you're going to work together and get it done. And it, you also, I guess, become like an accountability partner, right? I mean, because you're like, hey, we got another meeting next week. Get this shit done. We got to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, for the first five, six years that we were doing it, actually, I was working with higher end, mostly multi-million dollar mm-hmm. clients. And the system was actually built for them to just literally show up to their website one day and be like, hey, when did I write a book, let alone when did I make right. it a bestseller? You know, people like yourself that have a podcast or that are talking have a bunch of uh, content that's already out there. Um, it's a very simple process for us to be able to take that for and put you. it together. And and people right. that don't, um, you know, we can talk them through the talking so that we get that content. And then again, we have the whole staff in place to, to develop all that for them. It should be really easy on yeah. your part. Um, and if it's not, then, you know, we're, we need to do something to make right, it easier right, right. for you. Unless you just want to make it hard on yourself because yeah, well, some people talking do. is easier than <laughs> writing. So if they can talk to you, I mean, that's what I did for the book. We interviewed yeah. many attorneys in different practice areas. So I just got them on zoom and I transcribed it and I sent it over to my partner and he did the rest of the editing. I wasn't going to take mm-hmm. notes where I listened to you. I would miss things. I would, you know, it's just not a good process, but that's, that's one, I guess, piece of advice, right? If somebody wants to write a book or it wants to start the idea of writing a book, start recording yourself, start putting ideas, don't write them down, record things and save it. And then when they work with somebody like you, they go, Hey, listen, I amassed this library of my thoughts. And I guess that would make your job easier, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, back in the day when I was writing music, um, I had a job that had me driving around all the time. So I'll tell you how long ago it was. I had a cassette, yeah, no, a handheld cassette, no cassette player. Cassette player. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's like an MP3 player that you can take the thing out and put another thing in it. Okay. Um, <laughs> replaceable yeah, right. hard drive MP3 right. player. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, and as I was driving around when inspiration would hit me, I would literally just sing the song while I was driving and, and then come back and, and some of them were horrible, right, but you, you know, and, and some and of them, it, right. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the creative process is when you wait for the time, hold on to it, um, or all of that, you'll either forget it right. or um, it'll be a block for the good stuff right, that's behind it. I mean, there's, time, right? yeah. Well, and part of allowing your creativity to flow is you just let every crazy little thing that comes to your head out so that the things that are golden also come yeah. out. 
versus having, you know, well, that's a stupid thought, you know? And uh, in fact, when we're interviewing people, you know, I tell them, it's like, look, if something comes into your head and you're like, oh man, I forgot to do laundry, just say that, you know, we can edit that out of the thing. We don't have to put in the middle of your book, oh, I forgot to do laundry, (laughs) you know? But by just, when that thing comes to your mind, you just speak it and keep moving. That's a huge part of creativity. Okay. Um, why don't we, we'll take a commercial break. I think it's like two minutes or something, but just to acknowledge the sponsors who pay for this stuff. And then maybe we come back and we talk about like some of the books you've worked on, some topics and some that were more interesting, some that were more challenging what, and what it's done for the people that you've worked with. If you are aware of what it's done for them, can we talk about that after the commercial? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Great. Let's go to commercial. We'll come back. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. So, Steve, now you know why I do podcasting because I don't, I write contracts, like that's fine for people. But in terms of writing a book and putting out content, I like talking. I like recording the commercials. I like doing all that stuff. And it always came easy to me. Writing is like a is like, like a chore for me. So I always tell people, if you love writing blogs, then do blogging for your business. If you want to do a podcast and you're not afraid to hear your voice on a microphone, do, do, do you just be a guest? You don't have to have a podcast, right? So you can do all kinds of stuff. So right. that's why I wanted to talk because I do think it's important as a business owner to have a book, the collateral material, maybe a series of books or whatever, that teaches your customers, your, tells them your story, teaches them about what you do. And I think that it's kind of pushed aside by a lot of people like you say, yeah, I want to do that. So maybe we could talk about some of the, like I said before the break, some of the books you worked on, you know, some of the in- interesting stories and what it's done for the people that have, that have uh, partaken in this process. So many great authors that I've worked with that it always feels like, you know, 
anybody that I mentioned, there's 10 more that I should. So anybody that is one of my authors, if you don't hear your name here, you're awesome and amazing too. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, I was really privileged. I got to work with um, and become really good friends with the gentleman whose name is Errol Abramson. Um, Errol Abramson has the amazing distinction, besides the fact that he's a multi-billionaire, of, well, was. um, And, uh, you know, he had and created 47 businesses. All 47 of them he grew and sold for a profit, had no failures. Uh, Only person I know of ever in business that doesn't talk about, right? Just an incredibly amazing guy. Um, And the book that we wrote is actually called You Can Too. Um, And it was based off of the fact that at 16, he was literally living on the streets, eating food out of dumpsters because he was that homeless and situations at home and rose from there to you know, that amazing background. Wow. Uh, the last year of his life, his, well, I should say about two years before the last year of his life, his one company was making about $10 billion a year. Um, and I know that during the COVID year, when him and I talked, he passed towards the end of that first COVID year. Um, but the last time him and I talked, he said that he was probably going to make three to possibly even four times as much money with all the crazy things that were happening during COVID that uh, because of his business mindset, it was just huge opportunity for him. Such an incredibly amazing individual and so easy to talk to. Um, And all he really wanted to Errol Errol Abramson. Yeah. E-R-R-O-L Abramson. We'll put a link in the show notes. People Uh, can read his book. Cause I always like finding that stuff for people. Yeah. And the book, like you said, is called You Can Too. Um, And then, of course, one of the early on, so, you know, I mean, we worked with some exclusive people, but then I had a process so everybody can access it. And one of the early on people that I worked with is a gentleman named Carl Michelle. Carl wrote a book. It's called 365 Hip Hop. Um, It is, uh, as the title kind of lets you know, it's a daily motivational quotes. Um, Carl's book is so cool because he takes uh, mostly gangster rap, honestly. Um, There's a few other. There's Lauryn Hill and a few others in there, but most of them are gangster rap songs. They are songs that you would think there is no nothing redeeming in this song at all. Okay. Yeah. And he finds a quote out of that song. That is just like, oh my gosh, how is in the middle of this song by 50 Cent, you know, where he's talking about shooting people or whatever, there's this phrase that is just so motivational. And and, and he just has an incredible talent for that. And he would pick Um, these out the book of songs. He would pick those out, out of those actual things. And, um, and he was at the time working as a motivational speaker to teenagers. Um, so it was very current, very modern music and it reached them. Uh, his book came out January 1st, 2016, became an international bestselling uh, mm-hmm. book. The cool part about it is before he, we put out his book yeah. with him, he was calling, calling high schools and offering to come in and talk for free. Wasn't asking for any money. He just wanted to be able to reach the kids. Um, And he couldn't even get people to return his calls. After becoming a number one international bestselling author, um, I saw him about three months after his book came out. And he was booked out about six months in advance. 
at around $2,000 approximate for each one of those speaking gigs, hugely in demand. The only difference being he said, no, 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 I'm not Carl Michelle anymore. I'm number one international best-selling author, Carl right. Michelle. Um, and that made all the difference. And, and he's created a, a whole company that is just based off of that. Right, whole right, thing. right. Well, you uh, know, really it super also cool. comes down to the people that are booking the people that are bringing you in to speak, they they need to be able to say why they're bringing you in. So if they're like, well, this guy I met, he's right. coming to talk. I got nothing to say. Then they can promote it. If you're a international best-selling author, people are like, oh, I want to hear this guy, you know, cuts both ways. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, 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 a, it's beautiful marketing language uh, for anything you want to do. I mean, whether it's a guest on your, on your podcast or the keynote speaker for your event, um, and it could be a corporate retreat, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, some motivational event. It could be something, I mean, it could even be, uh, you know, doctors have continuing education, lawyers have things like that. It could be that, but to get, to be a real professional that does that kind of thing and have the credentials kind of boils down to what I heard Seth Godin say one time. He said, you know, I may not need a plumber right, right now, but when I if I do need a plumber, I want the guy who wrote yeah. the book on it. I don't want just some old plumber. I want the best selling author on how to fix my toilet. Exactly. You know? <laughs> um, exactly. um, so a couple other authors we can talk about. Um, Dr. Dre on Birch. Uh, interestingly enough, he goes by Dr. Dre, much like the rapper yeah. does. Um, and at one point actually won a lawsuit with Dr. Really? Dre, the rapper, um, because Dr. Dre uh, tried to preclude him from using the name Dr. Dre. He was on some TV shows like The Doctors and stuff like that. Um, and because his name actually is Dreon, um, and you know, D-R-A-I, which is spelled differently than what right. the rapper is, um, he won the, the case in court. I knew you'd find that yeah, interesting right. as a lawyer. <laughs> I got a um, cease and desist once we tried to trademark the podcast. Entrepreneur magazine, <laughs> I think, or something. They didn't like yeah, but oh, wow. you know, entrepreneur is kind of a well-used term, you know, right? In terms of that, but that's interesting. Yeah. So he, but it was spelled Dr. Dre is D R E, right? The uh, in the music, yeah, you know. yeah. But that, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah. and his, but I've seen that all the time. There were where um, you know personalities. That's how they make their living on their name and stuff. They're like, hey, you can't use this, but there's reasons why you can. When you have a guy who spells it differently, and that's his name. Doesn't right. harm the other yeah. doctor. As a matter of fact, it might help the other Dr. Dre. I don't know, but you know. Well, and the the cool part about his book, we created a course right along with it as we were developing it. it. Was always part of it when the book came out. It immediately pushes people to the course. His course was for helping doctors create businesses. You know, because they don't really teach you the business side of no, being a doctor in right. medical school. So they all um, and uh, he's. Right. <laughs> he, he sold about $160,000 worth of uh, sales into that course in the first 60 days, uh, just because it was an intentional marketing plan. You know, um, I'll give you two more. Well, at least one. Um, Dr. Alicia Griffith was a medical doctor, had been an audiologist working with children with autism for 20 years. Um, and after 10 years in that, her child was born with autism. So she had the other side of the fence, she knew what it was like to have a child right. of autism. Amazingly talented woman, but nobody knew who she was. We put out her book. It's called Amazing Gift, um, A-U, mm -hmm. amazing. Um, and uh, it was actually featured on Good Morning America. 
um, as well as many other places. And she'll be the first one to tell you, um, you know, I get more out of being a best-selling author than I do having been a doctor in this field for 20 yeah, years. Yeah. Well, I don't want people to think that they're going to write a book and end up on Good Morning America. She obviously is a publicist, somebody that brought it to their attention, but they were impressed with the book and her and they, it's a good story. Well, and the cool part about it is, is one of the consultants that I work with, that's what her whole business is for, is if you really aspire to be on Good Morning America or the Steve Harvey Show or, you know, all of the ones, uh, that's all she does all day long is helps people learn and develop so that they can actually get booked on that. And that's one of the resources in my, again, I'll be too old here, quote unquote Rolodex that um, beyond your best-selling book that we bring to the table to help people. Right. With. You don't just write it and walk away and good luck. Have a nice life. Yeah. Oh no. They're part of my family forever. Now, do you ever, have you ever done any, um, I don't know if memoir is the right word, but you know, helping someone write their life story in terms of, you know, the experience, maybe it has nothing to do with promoting themselves from a speaking standpoint or a professional standpoint. Have you ever done those or mostly they're professional books? I would be hard pressed to tell you any type of book that I haven't helped okay. write all the way from children's books to adult erotic fiction. Okay. I've done everything and everything <laughs> in between, um, you know, business fiction, nonfiction, all of that. Um, Errol's book originally, uh, when he put it out, he just wanted it to be a memoir. He just wanted to put out everything that's happened. But yes, I've also just worked with people who, uh, one of the books I brought out just recently, um, all the guy wanted really, and I even talked it through with him. All he really wanted to do was just share his life story. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't completely tie into what he does in business, but that was what was important to him at got this it, point. Got it, got it, got it, got it. All right. So maybe we can um, talk a little bit about advice for people, you know, things you tell people if they're thinking about writing a book or, you know, that's probably where they are. They're just thinking about it, what they should do to explore you know, how do you get ready for it? Why should they consider doing it? You know, all those kind of tips and tricks, if that makes sense. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, the, the why we'll start with, we'll begin with the end okay. in mind. The reason why you should do it more than anything else is because somebody's waiting on you. There is somebody who needs whatever it is, whether it's the entertainment of a fiction book or the very practical of a step-by-step -step book, they need what you have and they won't get it unless right. you do it. Um, that's why no matter how many lawyers there are, um, the next lawyer will succeed because they're uniquely yeah. them, sure. you know, and they'll reach the people that they will reach. Um, so that's number one is we have to understand everything that we have inside of us is only as good as we share it with the world. If it just stays inside of us, it does us and nobody good else point. any good. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, beyond that, the next piece of it is all of us, you know, I, I shared with you, my first book was the 10 things, huge right. book. Um, all of us want to share too much. We want to give everything that we know and just empty ourselves out right. completely. Uh, and the fact of the matter is that really doesn't help people because all of us put one foot in front right. of the other. All of us take one step at a time. And, uh, the problem with, a I'll pick on myself, a 10 things book is by the time you get to number 10, you forgot what step right. one was. Um, and most of us don't stop in the middle of a book and go, okay, now I'm going to take action on step one. And then I'm going to come back and finish right. reading the book. It's like, if the whole book is however long it is, we have to finish it 
and then take action. Right. So um, the real key is we do really want to write shorter, more powerful. Um, I, I put it as you want to take one point, make it really mm-hmm. clear and give them a clear action from that point. And then if, uh, if there's a second point, then that's a second book. And Amazon has actually done the research because, you know, Amazon's where over 90% of all books are right. sold. And what they found is, is in print, if your book is 100 pages or less, more than 60% of the people that get the book will read it and finish it. If the book goes between 101 and 200 pages, that drops to about 20%. Um, and if the book goes over 200 pages, it's less than 3% of the people that ever even finish right. the book. Um, and since from marketing standpoint, typically the what to do with me next is at the end of the book. Um, if we never get them to the end of the book, we never get them to a next action right. with us. So, no, you know, it's um, funny that the smaller that. The, is actually the smaller book, especially if they're written like as a parable, 100 pages or less. Yeah, I can get through that. But the other one, if I got to come back to it six times, I'm not making it to the sixth time. I'm not making it to the third time. Because we're all distracted by everything that goes on in our life, right? So somewhere along the way, while you're trying to get through a 300-page book, you're going to find something else to distract you. It doesn't have to be a book. It's going to be something. And then you're going to forget. And then someday you'll find the book on a shelf. You'll be like, you won't even remember what you read. So it's interesting statistics. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's writing a book, it really shouldn't be a 300-page book. It should be a 75- to 100-page book, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and in fact, the concept of 300 to 350 page book is totally a ploy by the publishing industry because they discovered that they could force an author to write more words and they as the the publishing company could make right. more money. Um, they didn't pay the authors anymore. They just charged more for the books. <laughs> yeah, so they give them a certain flat fee or whatever, and then they, the, they can charge yeah. you 30, 40 bucks for a book. That's interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So good advice. So if somebody's, but that may be, that's a good piece of advice because now maybe it's not so daunting. Somebody says, oh, wait, I can, I can work with somebody, get out a 50, 70 page book. I mean, I, I can't do a 700 page book. That's, I think people's perception. So that's, that's a good thing to know. Well, and even more so again, I'm talking about print pages. Yeah, no, I understand. Okay. So yeah, the typical Word document, you know, because typically when we're typing in Word, um, you know, we're, we're doing eight and a half by 11 document and right. single spaced. A written book is going to be formatted differently than that. Um, and you're looking at getting somewhere between four and eight pages, depending on how you format it, per each single space page. So if you take 100 pages and we'll just use divide it by four so that people don't get thinking that, you know, it's too low of right. content. That's really only 25 typed pages. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then does that equate to like words? Like if a book is, you know, 75 to 100 pages, is it 50,000 words, 250,000 words in general? Must be some, right? Uh, Probably nowhere. Yeah. Probably nowhere closer than that. The typical book, I can show you mine. um, Okay. Five by eight would be, and the reason why I do most all the books in five by eight, you can do five and a half by eight and a half and six by nine. But the reason why I do five by eight is literally I just took a ruler to hundreds of books that were on my shelf by popular authors, you know, Tony Robbins, all of those. And that was the most common sizing out of all of them. And so that's why we went with five by eight. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and um, uh, you know, with that, kind of a book 
um, you know, you really aren't looking at needing to necessarily do much. You know, I mean, you can really put that out. Uh, and you're looking at about 200, it depends on the words, of course, but you're looking at about 200 to 250 words per page. So if you were talking 100, you'd be talking essentially 25,000 words. Um, if you're talking 50, you'd be talking, you know, 12.5, basically. It, I mean, that's, so that's the rule. real simple math. 20 to 25,000 words will get you in the range of 80 to 100 pages, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Because I know when you're writing on a word processor, it does show you the words. So I, I don't know if it's exactly accurate, but um, I think people can 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 understand it that way. So then, But then it's not so daunting. I mean, you can come up with a book in terms of what you have to say that doesn't have to be your whole life story for a thousand. It doesn't have to be roots. I mean, for God's sake, you know? Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. And it doesn't have to be your last book either. Well, in, in point of fact, it'll probably be addicting and it probably won't right. be. Um, once, you know, if the process is made easy enough for you, it can be yeah. that way. Um, so that's, that actually becomes a really good right. thing. Okay. So um, what are the other things I should know as, as a new author and a business owner, if I'm trying to get started in this, get my book out of me? So um, going back to what we said earlier, um, everybody needs to be an author, but almost nobody right. is a writer. Um, and using the power of the interview, uh, once you know what you're doing, you can do like I do, and you can just turn on like something like Zoom and just talk yeah. and have the transcription running, and you can do it yourself. Uh, when you're a first-time author or even probably the first four or five books, you really need somebody that understands and can guide you through that. Every book in the world actually follows a format. They don't know that they did, but they okay. all do. Um, and that format is basically these four things. Number one is um, what I'm going to call the no like, and trust factor. Okay. Um, whether you're talking fiction or nonfiction, um, if you're talking a nonfiction book, the person has to buy into the fact that you as the person writing this book are somebody that they can believe what you're Makes telling sense. them. Um, if you're talking fiction, right. uh, you know, we have to care about the, the main characters in the story or we're not going to finish right. the story. Um, so that's number one is, you know, no like, and trust. And we buy from people that we know, like, and trust. So we want that yeah. immediately. Um, number two is uh, the age old concept in public speaking. Tell a person what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you tell them. Uh, the second part is really, the meat and potatoes of this is that one thing. I encourage people to think along the lines of if you were on a big elevator, okay. <laughs> you know, cause in about five minutes, if you had the perfect person like the, Oh man, I wish every client I ever had was this person, but you only had about five minutes to tell them something. What is the one thing you absolutely want to make sure that right. they know? Um, and that's really usually a good place to start. And typically in your first book, um, that almost always boils down to a mindset. You need to embrace this way of thinking, this this way of looking at things so that everything else I'm going to teach you makes sense to you. Okay. So um, you say like get to the point little up front and yeah. then build on it from there. Because I find that books that beat around the bush and I'm not really sure what they're getting to, you, you eventually run out of steam. You're like, you're like well, I don't know what this yes. is saying. And then you drop the book. It's like, just get right. to it. Like, well, what's the secret? <laughs> There's no secret. Just tell us yeah. and then we can learn more about it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's okay. number two. Uh, number three is taking it away. 
Um, if you were writing a play, um, plays are usually done in three acts. Right. Um, that would be what is known as a second act. Okay. Um, it is that place in fiction where all hope is lost. <laughs> you know, our hero is, you know, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo are in the garbage compactor right. and we'll see 3PO and R2D2 get the doors open or will they be squished <laughs> to death? Right. You know, I mean, perfect example of an act to kind of a, you know, kind of a situation. Um, you know, in a, in a nonfiction book, that is um, both the combination of the things you know in your right. own life of, you know, I wish I would have known this yeah, sooner. Right. Or if I go back yeah. and give advice to myself when I was 20, Those this is what I tell me. Right. Yeah. Well, and also the, when a client says to you, oh, if only I would have known this right. before, you know, why didn't you come into my life five years ago? Um, and then it's also giving the person permission to know that they're empowered that no is an okay decision. You don't have to do what I'm teaching you. This is all the reasons and all the hows and the whys of what to do it. But I want to have enough caring and grace for you to let you off the hook and say, hey, you don't have to do it. This is what life's going to look like right. if you don't, you know. Um, and uh, and so that's what step three is in okay. every book. Um, and then step four is uh, is action. Um, you know, so in a, in a fiction book, you know, that's going to be, everything is going to come together and the hero is going to win. Uh, you know, we kind of all understand that in a nonfiction book that has to do with, whereas in step two, we taught them what to do and how to do it in step four. We're really just now giving them something to do right now. Yeah. 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 Breaks down into two pieces. Piece number one is set down the book and go do this, you know, go start journaling every day. Um, drink X, X amount of ounces of water every day. You know, if you're a health coach or, you know, those kind of things, here's something very practical starting right this minute, not yeah. tomorrow, not next week, but right now you can do. Um, and then the other part of that is, and, um, I'd love to invite you to go deeper with me on this. Here is something simple that you can do, you know, and it could be opt into your mailing list. It could be the next book right. in your series, you know, whatever that might be. And we just kind of bring them along. Um, we've helped them take one step and we'd lead them to invite them to uh, the opportunity to make a right. Well, step. I think that really leads into kind of what we're talking about today, right? If, I mean, if you have a great story to tell and you want to share with the world and you think people will resonate with that and you're helping them, great. But if you're writing a book for business purposes to support your business, you have to have the, what do, you know, where do we go from here type of a thing. And the books that I find most interesting are the ones that have, you know, there's a website where you can, where you can sign up for an email a newsletter, additional collateral material that's not available in the book because either it's, you know, more recent or you get extra stuff if you sign up for the Facebook group or whatever group you want to call it. Because now you're creating a community of people that read your book and got to the end and were interested in what you had to say, raise their hand, say, hey, I'm, I'm here, you know. And now you're communicating with mm -hmm. these people. And I think one of the keys to, and I, I've said this before, and marketing people have come on, to building a successful business is keeping in touch with people. Um, that my, my most favorite business book in the world is a, is a book called the referral of a lifetime. It is a hundred page book. Like you said, it's written as a parable, a story about a woman who's struggling in business. And she goes through this experience of meeting these different people and learning what they're doing. And it is, and in those, this is 15, 20 years ago. When I first read the book, there wasn't internet or email or any of that stuff. You just send postcards to people, you know, and keep in touch with them, printed newsletters. Now, 
you can build an email list pretty easily and have several thousand followers or at least several hundred to interact with. So that's the book should be a is lead magnet the right word? It, uh, you know, to fill mm-hmm. your funnel with people that at least I mean, look, I was in an event last night and I met four or five people. And they're like, hey, I, I don't know how I got on your email list, but I listen to your podcast all the time. You know, they're getting content or they say, you know, I heard Steve Kidd on the podcast. And I just reached out to him and I'm I'm right. I'm starting to write my book that I've been meaning to write. So I know I'm bringing good content, but I think that that is so important. Like That's one of the reasons why you should write a book, because it's better than leaving a business card behind. It stays on someone's shelf, even if they don't read it right away. You can sign it, you know, oh, yeah. people, well, it's a think to it. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You go to a networking event, typical one, you know, you come home with a stack of cards, five, 20, 300, it depends on the event. Right. Um, and, and what really happens with those? I mean, I know there's all kinds of services where you can take a picture of it and it'll add it to your mail list and stuff like that. But let's be honest. Most of the time it sits on the corner of our desk until the next time we clean our desk and then it gets thrown in a drawer or thrown away. What you actually do with those cards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm talking real world here. What we really do with those cards. cards. I add it to my list. I send him an email. We're going to get up for coffee, and that's what you do. Send him a copy of your book, right? Stuff like that. But when it's a book, books may end up in the free bin at a garage sale. People don't throw out books, right? very few people throw them away. They get nervous about throwing books out. They think it's like bad juju. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Like here, somebody put their life into this book. If I throw it out, I'm like throwing out part of their life. Look, there's sometimes where books just end up on people's shelves. And then somebody says, hey, can I see that? And it, you know, it gets passed around. Like you said, I have books that I just for, I mean, I have a lot of friends and people that have been on the podcast. They've sent me copies of the books. I got them all on the shelf. I've read through them. But yeah, it it has this longevity that your other collateral material Mm -hmm. doesn't really have. People throw out brochures. They don't care. White papers, whatever. Business cards, like you said. I don't know what the hell they do with them. They should do something. But mm-hmm. books definitely have more shelf life, more longevity. So another reason to write your book. We got a lot of good reasons today, Steve. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, also, um, if you could send me after this the those four steps, I'm going to put it in the show notes so people can say these are the four elements of a book. You know, I've got it even better for all of your people. Um, in the free gift that I'm going to give everybody that's listening Perfect. today, um, I actually do a workshop that's called Write Your Bestseller in One Hour okay. Workshop. Um, if they will get that free gift, you know, okay. it's free. You can have it. Um, there is a link to that that goes to the YouTube video. It's about an hour and 10 minutes, you know, because there's a couple of questions in there. Um, and you can go through and all of those are not only in there, but I, I go into Perfect. much deeper detail. And we'll put a link all to those that. In the show I, I know people. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Download that, and then you'll have the link in there. Awesome, awesome. Well, Steve, I can't thank you enough. I'm glad we connected. I think it was through Podmatch, right, or a booking agency or something like that. I meet people all different ways these days. And, uh, you know, sharing your story. I told you I have my book coming out, so I am passionate about it. I try and tell people to do it, and hopefully we can stay in touch, maybe introduce you to some people at some point for some business, and uh, keep the the wheels of uh, writing in motion for people. Absolutely. And that free gift, if you just go to ongoingwealthguide.com, okay. um, there is a whole guide that I wrote there, including in that. So is all that one word, ongoingwealthguide.com. Yeah, ongoingwealthguide.com. We'll definitely yeah. put that in the show notes. All right, let's hit the closing credits. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. 
opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.